0: Welcome to What's Your Revolution, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can understand and embrace a healthy masculinity. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. On May 20th of this year, I will be 40-something with these qualifications. PhD, educator for 20 years, homeowner, investor, founder and president of a fast-growing consulting firm and radio host. Yet, single, never been married, and no children are the ones that seem to foster the most conversation. What? You've never been married? Has become a red flag. Girl, he must be a player if he had not settled down yet. Stay away from him. Lose his number is what I heard one woman tell. Those on the periphery might say that that's the true story. But well, when you take a closer look, maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's not the case. Maybe as a man searches for his place in the world, he, he experiments, choosing variety over uniformity, finding what he likes and what he doesn't, taking notes along the way. For some, this journey may be longer and more arduous than it is for others, and painful for the people they interact with. There are challenges and pitfalls, loves lost, loves unattained, loves seemingly just out of reach, and loves not fulfilled. I can only hope that with the passing of time and change of circumstance and context, the narrative for me may change. Today's show, we're going to have a, a lively discussion about single versus married and how. It impacts our journey towards healthy masculinity. I am joined by my good friend Horace Derry, retired teacher and coach, and working diligently now in the mental health field to change people's lives. Horace, thank you for coming on the show today, brother.
1: Thank you for having me, Charles. I'm uh, more than pleased to be here.
0: Man, it's a, it is a pleasure. Yeah, and I have to give a little background to uh, to having brother Horace on the show. I was at Brothers Empowered to teach, and their fundraiser, isn't that right, Rachel? Their fundraiser a couple of weeks ago, and um, Brother Horace and I started a conversation about his relationship, and it, it just got me wondering where was I, um, and how he had basically gotten to the point where he was in his life. And so I, I told Rachel, who is my wonderful producer. Uh, Let's give Rachel a shout-out. If you see her around town, give Rachel Graham a shout-out. She makes sure that this show happens. Um, That I needed to have Brother Horace on the show, and so I'm very, you know, happy that you're on the show. So we always ask our guests the first question.
1: What's your revolution, Horace? I would say, well, first of all, Charles, since you asked, (laughs) I would like to give a shout-out to Holistic Life, where I spent a lot of time uh, with a group of people that, are essentially trying to become conscious and healthy. So shout out to Holistic Life and Marshall Meggs. Uh, that's where I am experiencing the most growth. And my thing is just to elevate and enlighten as many people as will listen because you can only help people that listen.
0: <laughs> you're, right, you're right about that. What are you enlightening them about? I know.
1: Well, that... Essentially, we have to take responsibility for our own lives, that there's no hand that's going to reach down out of the sky and manipulate our circumstance or our condition. We have that power. We have to acknowledge the God that is in us. That's, mm. I'm trying to live live that and walk that walk.
0: I, Brother, let me tell you, uh, my mother is a, a, a staunch Christian and, and believes wholly in the spirit. But also it's interesting that we have a question, I mean, we have a conversation, and you're right, believing in the God within ourselves, that faith without work is nothing. And so we have that conversation. We have to work to try to change our lives. And that is the impetus for this show, What's Your Revolution? And I'm glad you said that. What's Your Revolution really is about how we work within ourselves to then promote a revolution that is greater than us. So I I love that you said that. I'm interested in knowing a little bit more about your journey. So if you could tell the audience just, just, you know, your journey, how did you get to this space? And if you know, Horace, you know, those of you who are watching on uh, Facebook live today, you you can, you can see this brother. Can I ask how old you are?
1: I'm 64. Hallelujah.
0: 64 years old. And if I get to 64 and look as good as this brother does, (laughs) you know, smooth skin, got that nice gray salt and pepper. You're looking good, brother. Um, Tell the audience a little bit about your journey and how you got to this space in your life.
1: Well, it has been a journey. Um, It has not been without its struggles. My life has, I have struggled like we all struggle. Um, I think a lot has to do with us learning the lessons. Uh, The definition of insanity, according to what people have told me, is uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So as we learn the lessons of life, we have to make change. Life is about change. Embrace change. Embrace um, you know taking responsibility for yourself and what you do. And um, I listen to people often, and they say that well, so and so made me mad, or they did this or they did that. You you are allowing. We are allowing people to do these things to us. We have control. Our emotions. All these things, I believe, are given to us as gifts for us to use. We are allowing these things to use and control us, and we've got to get past that.
0: I got you. I got you. Uh, Anything else you want to tell the audience about your life? You know, you talked about some pitfalls, some struggles. What were some of your successes?
1: Well, um, I was able to graduate from college essentially with a fifth-grade education. I did that. Um, And probably my greatest success... And I don't know if it's my success, uh, my my greatest fortune is having met my wonderful wife.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Who I we,
1: see is sitting <laughs> on the other side of the garden.
0: She did walk in, and we're going to talk about uh, Dr. Lisa Green Dare in a few moments. It's good to see you in the building with us today. Um, since the show is about single versus married, and I, maybe I want to reword that, single and married, you know, and how we sit in a space sometimes as single men, and then maybe we some of us moved to that space of being married. But as you said it in the pre-show, you were, you've been single. You were single longer than you've been married. What was that like for you, being single? And I understand single, that, you, I understand that the, you, your wife's now here with you. So, <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I can be honest. I mean, I'm pretty transparent when it comes to uh, my experiences. I was 51 or about to be 51 before I got married for the first time. And um, I was enjoying single life. Uh, Single life can be somewhat confusing, especially if you find yourself involved in multiple relationships. And as a single man, that's easy uh, to do. But it can also uh, be a detriment to you. And I tell you, it became that for me. I had someone tell me, Hell, half no fury like a woman <laughs> scorn. I hope she's not listening. Uh, but I was like, what? What does she mean by that? When I figured it out, I was in therapy. Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Wow. Um, that's interesting because what I want to unpack a little bit with is that you said it's easy when you're single to be in multiple relationships. Why is it easy? Why was it easy for you?
1: Well... I mean I think that if at some level I might even I'm not even gonna say it's you can't even you can't be honest no I, I was not I can't say that well I just enjoyed meeting women and you know having relationships with them and I was able to get away with that for you know for a great period of time mm-hmm. I mean nobody. There wasn't anybody in my life at that time that I couldn't give up. That I didn't feel like I could give up. So um, if they call me, I went, well okay, well, it's over then. We're right. done.
0: Right, right. The interesting, you know, I've been technically single for a long time. Rachel, why are you giving me that look? <laughs> <laughs> That's Rachel laughing. Um, I tried, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I've, been in, I've been in a number of relationships, and I have... Dated, beautiful, smart, intelligent, wonderful women. Uh, I've had, you know, have and have tremendous partners um, who have taken care of me and take care of me. Um, but it's it, it, it is interesting. It, it is interesting, as you say, that that ability when you're single, you know, to have. You know, if you want to, to have multiple women, to or, or, or and you know, or, or multiple partners, we'll say that it doesn't always have to be women. It, just have multiple people in your life. Li- Mine's women,
1: Charles. I don't <laughs> know. I, I'm not speaking for anybody else.
0: Well, you know, Word. we ha- we have to think about our listeners. Right. Yeah, think about the listeners. You know, and a variety of people who listen to the show have a you know different sexual orientation. So we want to make sure that we, you know, just are equitable in our conversation. But when you're single, you have that ability to see what's out there. You have that ability to see, as I said, you have the ability to experiment. What did you learn about yourself during that time when you were
1: single? Oh, man, that's a challenging question. I mean, of course, uh, learning is a lifelong experience. Um, I learned uh, that I had a whole lot of uh, insecurities. I learned I had a great Level of immaturity, those are things that I learned. Um, but also I learned to, my thing is I never pursue women or I never pursue women. Very seldom did I come across a woman that I just had to be with. That's, that's uh, something that's, that's somewhat of a rarity. Uh, so I always wanted the women that wanted me.
0: That 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 makes it a little. And bit, I will tell anybody a little bit easier. even yeah. even
1: even women. I say, look love the one that loves you. Uh, love is an action word. It's not what people say. It's what people do. So if you are having issues in your love life, then uh, you want somebody that is it's showing you, not just saying things. Because uh, a lot of times, well, I will say it like this. Men fall in love typically with their eyes, what they see
0: mm, women with their
1: ears what you
0: what, what they hear someone
1: says to mm. them, so I tell people, just watch what they do don't get so caught up in what they say, or if it's a man don't get caught up in just how she looks, how is she treating you So I like good treatment myself and <laughs> um, uh part of my story is that um I saw how my mother was with men.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that affected how I dealt with females. Never, I, I never was disrespectful. I never abused a woman, not physically, let's say that, because um, if you hurt someone, whether you mean to do it or not, that doesn't diminish the hurt. So I, I, those are things that I learned along the way.
0: So, so I- intent versus impact. Um one of the things that I heard, but also I want to roll back for a second. You saw how your mother had relationships with men. How did that impact you? Un- unpack that for me a little bit.
1: Well, the things, my mother typically, well, my mother did not respect men according to what I saw, how she treated her husbands. And so I said, you know what, I'm never going to allow a woman to treat me like that.
0: Wow, wow. So, uh,
1: and another thing <laughs> was... Uh, That was quite amusing to me. If I bought a woman home to meet my mother, then she would say to that woman, come let me teach you about men. She used another word (laughs) that I will not use on the radio. She used the N word. Right, right, right. (laughs) But she said, let me tell you specifically about that one right there. Mm -hmm. And then she would take them into her room and she would close the door. Now, mind you. My woman, my mother never told me anything about women. She never taught me. I had to learn, you know, through observation and participation about women. And, and I guess through watching her. So I said, you know, I'm never going to be treated like that.
0: Wow, wow, that's interesting. I'm never going to be treated. You felt like your mother disrespected men. And this conversation about women. And it's, it is interesting that you say that. Uh, on the flip side, for me, my mother... Um, my mother has been the the penultimate. She's been the model, you know, of of womanhood for me. But we never really kind of had that conversation and, and about how I, you know, I know how I treat her. I know how, but I learned how to treat women basically from my boys. Like you were saying, I learned from, from model. I, and I also would test the waters. I would see how far that I could take. I remember, <laughs> I remember in high school and, 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 and wanting to, I don't. I don't know where that player mentality came from. I don't know where you know having a a girlfriend and then having uh, other women uh, that I dealt with. I don't know where that came from. I don't because I don't remember my my boys having that. But I remember once I got to college, being around a number of gentlemen who had that same mentality, and we kind of we kind of rolled together. And that's how I kind of learned really how to handle women. Uh, and then i you no know, i i met my first good woman and she kind of shifted she kind of shifted my mindset uh, about how i should treat women and how i should comport myself but it was still very interesting how we learn initially how we're going to handle ourselves in relationships how that that single life what what we think of the single life particularly for men of color um that is is that being the player a part of that young development for men of color? So I'm asking that question. Do you think that younger men see that as the model of being a man, having multiple women in their lives?
1: Well, I grew up in an era where it was okay for guys to see multiple girls or multiple women, you were a rock star <laughs> I mean, if you dated a lot of girls. But uh, the flip side of the coin back then was if a girl did that, then she was something else. So it was inappropriate for women. But I think the game has changed today. I, I think the, the playing field appears to be... Uh, A lot more level, but at the end of the day, Charles, it it has always come down to this for me. Uh, We're locked in the battle of survival, strong versus weak. You have strong men, you have weak men. You have strong women, you have weak women. If you're weak, you're beat.
0: Right, right. You're listening to WBOK 1230. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru, having a good conversation about single and married and its impact on healthy masculinity with my good brother, Horace Derry. Uh, having a great conversation. At some point, we want to hear from our, our audience. 504 260 9265. 504 260 9265. Tell us about your experiences of being single. Were you, so let me ask you this question. Were you the healthiest version of yourself when you were single?
1: I doubt that very seriously. <laughs> I mean, um, because at the end of the day, people are either hurt, they're disappointed, you're being selfish. But I tell you what now i um I had this ongoing relationship with one particular woman. And so I decided that, well, you know, you've been selfish, Horace. So in this experience, this relationship, you're going to try being selfless. Are you a basketball fan, Charles?
0: Yes, I am. Huge basketball fan. You're going to pass the ball.
1: Well, this woman, uh, she went baseline and she dunked on me being selfless. So (laughs) that did not work.
0: It's interesting you say that because we, we we have this model of masculinity and how we should comport ourselves with women, and then we decide that. We decide in that moment, you know, I'm not going to be this dude, and then we give ourselves to someone. Sometimes we give ourselves to the wrong person, and in this case you say the wrong woman, and I have been in that space as well. I gave myself to the wrong woman and ended up in therapy for two and a half years. But you... It's what happens afterwards that really is is compelling and chilling because we some of us may even fall back into that. Well, I'm not going to be emotional anymore. I'm not going to give myself. I'm not going to be selfish. It was I was fine being you know that the being the man being I'll say play again, but having to deal with or choosing to deal with multiple women that hurt. We we don't. We don't take very well. You know, how was it for you? How how did you handle that pain?
1: I had to suck it up. It took me... Well, when I was going through all of that and during that same time period, actually, my mom passed away. Sorry to hear that. So uh, it was kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, I was in love with a woman I couldn't stand. I had lost my mom, and I thought I was about to lose my mind. So I don't have any, at the time, I didn't have any family here in New Orleans. And um, spiritually, you know, I I prayed and I said, Well, God, if you don't help me, I feel like I'm going to die. i got to get out of here. So I didn't have any family in New Orleans, so I, I planned to move back to Texas. And during that time, I met the woman that is now my wife. Mm. And
0: um, Tell us that story. Tell us that story. How did you meet Dr. Dr. Green-Derry? Tell us Tell us that. We, I'd like to hear I that. I
1: actually uh, was working at uh, Martin Luther King Middle School in the Lower Ninth Ward. Uh, she was uh, a Title I coordinator or whatever coming through the school. She was not supposed to be servicing me but I always found that she was giving me
2: <laughs> information.
1: She later on told me that she I was a bad boy. I don't know what that <laughs> meant. I think she wanted to spank me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh but, wow. Um, oh, oh. So anyway. This is she the wrong
0: giving, show to say that. because
1: uh, <laughs> She's giving me this person. information and, you know, we we're talking a little bit, you know, nothing really serious. Uh But it wasn't anything, even though she's an attractive woman, I wasn't drawn to her like that. And so um, what ended up happening was my car flooded in the Lower Ninth War, and there was another woman who was my friend. She was allowing me to use her car. So one day she says to me, Horace, you're going to have to come with me while I run some errands and then drop me off and take the car. So one of the places that she went to was to a nail shop. And so I'm sitting in the nail shop grading papers, and then my wife, Lisa, comes in. And I must tell you, when I meet women, Charles, I look at their feet, their hands, and their hair. So now I have, I'll admit on the air, I have a foot fetish.
0: <laughs> Thank you for your vulnerability. I appreciate that.
1: Uh, so anyway, she takes off her shoes, and I kind of, you know, I'm looking at feet. So I'm looking for, oh my God, they look awful. So. At the end of the day, I find out that the ladies that were in the shop, my wife, the proprietor of the shop, they're sitting in there with my friend. They say, well, it's nice that your guy had come with you to the nail shop. I says, well, he's not my guy. He's not my man. We're just friends. And so I think they both remarked that we'll, we'll take him. <laughs> but my friend brought me Dr. Lisa's number. And so I called her and we met at uh, the CC's on Esplanade, and so uh, I was telling her that I had been in this relationship, and I had been, in fact, engaged, had broken that off, and I was only looking for somebody to talk to, and she tells me, well, I'm not looking for anybody to talk to, I'm looking for a man for me. I mean, I got brothers, I got uncles, I got cousins, I got male friends, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for a man. I said, well, it's always about the deal, Charles. It's always the deal. So I said, I guess we don't have a deal. She says, well, I didn't say I wouldn't compromise. So you you'll compromise? You know what you're saying? So what am I saying? I said, well, you're implying that you're going to give yourself to me. She said, I said that. I said, that's the implication. So I invited her home. Well, I didn't invite <laughs> her home at that point. Whoa. I invited her over for breakfast. <laughs> okay. And breakfast. I invited her over for breakfast. I got you. I got and she you. stayed for lunch and dinner. <laughs> And we kind of been together ever since.
0: I man, oh, I, I love that. So it it, it all started. To, it 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 really kicked off in the nail salon, is what you're saying. That's
1: where it all started. And um, so now, I am leaving New Orleans. I had no family in New Orleans. So okay, if something's going to happen to me, at least if I get back to Texas, I have family in Texas. So, uh, the last week I was here, I lived across the li- across the river. And I um, had an apartment, so I had placed all my things in storage and whatnot, packed everything up to leave. And so my wife approached me. She says, Look, I talked to my daughter, and we'd like for you to spend your last week with us. I said, I'll do that. But if this other person asks the same, that's where I'm going to be going. Wow. Well, that person never asked. Never asked. <laughs> never asked. Mm. So then I moved to Houston and um every other weekend the good doctor would be pulling up <laughs> where I was staying so I actually uh, one of my favorite places to visit is Austin Texas so um I invited Lisa to Austin for her birthday and I guess we have been I, I may have Got the time frame, confused, because I guess by that time we had been talking or seeing each other for some time. So we get down there, and we check into a hotel, and we're about to go out for dinner, and she starts crying. I'm like, what's wrong? Well, I don't want to be a girlfriend. I want to be a wife. Like, what? Laid it down. And that's when the real story <laughs> takes place. La-
0: laid it down. So let me ask you, now we've moved from... Horace the man. So Horace is thinking about making that move, you know, settling down. And that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting piece for a man. Because being single is being independent. Being single is being able to get up and go where you want to go without any question. Being single is being able to, you know, just do you. Be be who you are without any repercussions. And so now you're thinking about, hmm, maybe I want to do this. What was that point in your journey as a man and your relationship with Doctor Green Dare that you said, you know what, having a partner like her is going to be beneficial to my growth as a man?
1: I don't know if I ever said that, Charles. Uh, truth of the matter is, the doctor hoodooed me. I looked in my drawer one day, Charles. Wait,
0: and, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> wait yeah. A minute. <laughs> see, who see, did you?
1: Yeah, man, all my underwear was gone. She <laughs> must have cut him up and fed him to me.
0: Come on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So for my listeners who are not from New Orleans,
1: <laughs> can you explain a little hoodoo to them? All I know is I had a whole lot of red gravy and I didn't have no drawers. Oh Lord. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. A whole lot of red gravy. Oh Lord. You are listening
0: to WBOK 1230 AM. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal, and I'm here talking to Horace, Horace Derry about that transition from single life <laughs> to married life. And he and he said that if you did not hear that, that he didn't know if he was ready, but he got hoodooed. And if you're not from New Orleans, you know, that's, hmm, maybe you need to come down and figure that out. I'm not gonna I'm not going to get all into that, but... So, since you got hoodooed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Charles, I actually woke up in New York, and she used several of her friends, the Gilbert family. If you're listening, if you're out there, if you know them, be careful. Um, (laughs) Paul Gilbert uh, presided over the ceremony. His wife, Lynetta, coordinated that activity. Um, I think the youngest daughter... Was there, kind of keep an eye out, out, eye out on me. Um, that's Ashley, Ashley Gardere. For those people that don't
0: know, Ashley. Oh wow, but you were in there
1: anyway. So, but but I'll I'll be honest, Charles. Um, what did it for me was um, Lisa invited me over for dinner one weekend, one Sunday, and uh, she was living on the Dillard campus. And so when I got, well, when I was trying to find out where she was, I called several times and different people answered the phone. I'm like, why are all these people answering this person's phone? What's really going on?
0: That's the hoodoo.
1: So when I, get, well, when I got over there, what I found out was that Lisa would get all the food that she could at least once a month, cook all this food, and essentially invite everybody that she knew to come to her house for dinner. So there must have been 40 people coming in and out eating, and that was so much like family, Mm -hmm. something that I had not experienced. So that was really, that was it. And as I, well, that observation and then just realizing the kind of uh, one Woman that she is, the person that she is, all of that just uh changed my my life and changed my perception of single versus being married, all of that.
0: Right. We're gonna come back to that. It's interesting you said that family and, and the ability to have that. I'm an only child and I talk about that a lot on the show. But family means everything to me. And and being a part of a a, a group and, and feeling community. It, sound, it sounds like she was bringing a community into your life that you didn't have prior.
1: Uh, she did that. Mm-hmm. And like yourself, Charles, I am an only child and so I'm, I don't know whether it's confused or I'm an introverted extrovert. <laughs> you know, I stay to myself, but I do love people. But I don't have a problem being alone. Um, for most of my adult life, I lived by myself, and I enjoyed that, but I always um, relish the opportunity to, to go out and be with other people. In fact, I, even today, I like to go places I'm welcome.
0: Right. Brother, uh, Brother Dare, we're going to take our first call of the day. Hello, this is the What's Your Revolution show. What's up, Doc? How you doing? It's Doc Turner, man. What's up, Doc? How you doing, man? Thanks, thank you for calling in, brother. I'm here with uh, here with brother Horace. We're talking about single and married, and we're at, we're at this point, you know, talking about the impact of being in partnership. So I know, I, you know, I talked to you earlier today. I want to hear your hear your thoughts on this, man, about brothers, and, you know, the single life, and then. The transition. I don't want to always say married because not every brother gets married, but that transition to partnership and what it has to do, that impact on our our development as men, and especially into healthy masculinity.
3: Well, first thing I'm gonna say, I felt bad for um, brother brother Derry if he got hoodoo. <laughs> um, so you, you should have hollered at somebody from the city because <laughs> you don't eat nobody red gravy and you always put your drawers in your shoes when so.
0: <laughs> come on, man. Come on. So, at so, least I know that so, now. I, bad, I, I know that now.
3: Too bad, too bad you didn't get the list of um, what to watch out for. You know, it's interesting when we talk about marriage and, and brothers and masculinity. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think, the, the, and I think Dr. Cobra said this earlier, is that men and women, and Mr. Derry said as well, but I think men and women have some of the same dreams. So I, lots of brothers I know, both therapeutically and just personally, they want to get married. They have that dream of being married, but it, it's, what is that marriage supposed to do? We, we know that the health benefits of being married alone far out distance for men than what they do for women. Women get married, and it stresses them. Men get married, and we live forever. So... so <laughs> So they help us. Women are, and, and, and great, great Steve, um, allowing us to live longer. I think we have to first be able to talk about from from a for real healthy, masculine standpoint what is marriage and what are we supposed to do? I know a lot of brothers who pretend they want to get married, and up until wedding day, they act in the living single. and and live single. And I've told many couples in couples therapy look, you know, you got to start being married long before the wedding day.
0: Mm, it's priest, brother. Say it again. Say it again
3: you got to start being married long before wedding day. you got to practice monogamy, man. And if you are a and if you're out here in these streets, you're not going to be able to be single on wedding day night. You're going <laughs> to still have visions and dreams of what you used to do. So you have to practice monogamy. You have to practice compromise. You have to practice commitment. And so I think, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and that first thing when we talk about masculinity, how many, how many, and, and Dr. Cooper, we talked about this a couple months ago, actually. Where are the long Sustained, healthy relationships of African Americans. We
0: don't we get to see them, Lee We don't get to. We don't get to see them a lot.
3: Right, right. So since we're not seeing them, too many brothers and sisters don't believe it exists. Right. Mm. I mean, if, if I'm left to think that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West is my example of a relationship, and 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 you know the others. I mean, I just not stop, man. Look, the students at as they have to keep me up with who breaking up with who and who dating who. <laughs> You know, but, I, but I'm like, but how many of you all parents have been together 30 or 40 years? And they're like, oh. And it's like, then they start to think? i like, so what do you think happened in that relationship to keep people together? It's not because they had a lot of money. They had a lot of love. They had a lot of respect, you know. So I think, man, the first thing, and we're going to talk about it from a masculinity standpoint, we have to have men who know how to be in relationships to, to help spread that along and move that. I think the second part is, is 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 and I can't put this off on sisters, so it's a request to my sisters, is if you have a brother you're interested in teach him. If he's willing to learn, teach him. You can't you can't browbeat a brother for trying and not being successful the first time. Is if after successive attempts he don't get it, then you need to let him slide on by this way. But sometimes we need that help. You know, we, we may need to get that lesson. And then lastly. I think it's always about having fun. If you can't find a partner to have fun with, then it's gonna be problems. So if you you may have to take that shopping trip. But, this, <laughs> but, but I need a sister to go to the game with me every night. Man, you let me tell, me tell you, every game. Let me tell you, know.
0: Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets games. You know, right, right. The Pelicans games. You know, things like that. You know, going to see baseball, Dodgers, things, right. things, things right. like that. You know, right. I feel you, B. Let me ask you a question, man. Let's let's, let's go back. Brother Darry and I were talking a, a few minutes. You know that that single life is good for some people. You know, and I didn't ask him this, but you know, for for many of for many brothers, for yeah. many men, being single is healthy. Why do you think some men prefer that lifestyle, being single?
3: Well, I mean, and and I'm my, I'm a person of faith, and so we even understand that the Bible tells us that marriage is not a season for every person. Mm. So, so we don't have to pretend or act like marriage will be for everybody. So, so if we accept the notion that everybody ain't going to be the marrying type, then we can't get mad. And, of course, you know, I, I do respect and I understand. I see so many sisters who post about the family pressure, the familial pressure for a relationship. Well, brothers don't usually get that. <clears throat> so I think sometimes brothers are left thinking, well, maybe I just need to go ahead and on to get married to see what it's like. I mean, man, look, real talk, and I I won't put anybody's names out, but there's so many guys that I've I've grown up with that are now in their second and third marriages, and I'm like, at some point, bro, you gotta realize, maybe you're not a good husband, maybe you're just a really, really good boyfriend,
0: <laughs> a good friend, you know? right? Right? Yeah. You know?
3: But I think what happens, man, is like the realization of like one's choice in life, and I think for men, sometimes we we become solidary creatures in terms of what we want in our personal lives. I also know, man. I've known many guys or couples, even in the therapeutic sense, they live apart. One lives on the East Coast, one lives in the South, one lives on the West Coast, another lives in the Midwest, and and they realized that that was the best way for them to have an actual functioning marriage. They didn't cheat, you know. They they that was a part of the therapeutic relationship. They talked about they didn't cheat. They were not involved intimately with any other person. But they enjoyed the fact that they were professional. So what could happen is in the three or four weeks before they saw each other, and I'm, I'm kind of dovetailing, I'm going to come back to the single part, but they allowed each other to have the space to be professional, to have friends, to travel, to do the things that they need to do alone. And I think when it comes down to single men, <clears throat> as long as you can make that decision and it's not a reactionary decision. You know, men get hurt, and we know. I think we know a lot of brothers in our daily walks who've been hurt. By, either by someone who was a, a caregiver or by a former partner, and, and now they kind of enact revenge upon the future. But if, if, if being single makes you happy, live that single life and be okay and let people know that I'm not even looking for marriage. I can be a good boyfriend or a good friend, but I think brothers have to ask themselves that first question. What are they looking for? And if they're not looking for a wife, don't don't put it out there. Don't say it.
0: Right, you know, and and... For me, I had to get to that space, you know, and I'm always vulnerable about myself on the show. I had to get to that space that, you know, that there was this expectation that, Charles, you have to get married. Even my mother, we still have this conversation, and she's appalled when I say I don't want to be married. But that's, I know that space for me, and yeah. that, that acceptance, you know, actually has been eye-opening for me to say, you know what, I'm not going to – it's not, it's not for me. It's not for me to yeah. be in that space. And people love to tell me, oh, when you meet the right person, well, you know what? I have. You know what I'm saying? It <laughs> is not about, you know, it, it, it's not about, you know, f- fulfilling someone else's dreams. Yeah. It's, you yeah. know, it's about f- understanding where you are. I've lived alone for the last 22 years. Me walking into a house with somebody every day is going to be a challenge because I know me. I, I, like you said, I, <laughs> I I know I know me as Rachel points to Mister Dick. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I, I was gonna
2: be I was gonna be quiet. Uh oh. He me. Okay, yeah. He had me. Shut up. He had me muffled. I want to hear your perspective on that. That that's the single versus married part because right. you lived alone, right? Yes. Off and on <laughs> before. For, for, for the most part, for the I most part, I lived alone. Um. Speak to that. Okay, you can muffle me again, but I really just want—I want to hear that. Like he says, he's lived on for twenty-two years. That based on that, he has no interest whatsoever in sharing space with someone. And that I didn't say that. I, I I'm did, sorry. I didn't Walking say that. Walking into the same house together every day. Right.
0: I can be there. I can be there fourteen out of fifteen days. That's what you know.
2: What I'm yeah. So thank you for clarifying. Right. That exactly. But that fifteen
0: day, I may need to stay. You know, and 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 my house may be in the in the backyard. I may have a, my own little space, but. It's just, you know, that's just me.
2: Okay, so I want to hear the, the the voice of wisdom on that.
1: Well, uh, there is a delicate balance when it comes to living with another person. Um, my thing is no hassle at the castle.
4: Um,
1: living with someone, I mean, we go to work every day. We don't know what we're going to be confronted with when we're in public, when we're at work. When you come home, you should come home to a place of peace. Now, we're not responsible for anyone else's happiness. We can only be in addition to someone's happiness. I have the good fortune of being married to somebody that, I mean, I can't, I haven't taken any numbers, but I would say my wife is happy at least 90% of the time. She laughs. I mean, we laugh. We have a good time together. Um, Charles uh, talked about, You know, doing things, we do a lot of things together, but you have to have a life separate and apart from that person. That person needs their own life, and then you have your life and things that you do together. Yes, it is challenging living with someone, but um, I'll tell you, if you ever get to a point, Charles, where you begin to contemplate growing old, alone, then...
0: That's, that's where it is. You run old alone. I I think that, that contemplation, don't give me that look, Rachel. (laughs) That contemplation happens every day. B, I appreciate you, brother. We're going to take another call, man. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy, uh, helping those, uh, wonderful students over Xavier as well as, you know, giving therapeutic answers to our community. If y'all don't know Brian Turner, get to know him, Professor Xavier, uh, actually one of the only uh, few black male clinicians uh, in the city. So please check him out. Wonderful, brother. I appreciate your time, B.
3: Thank you, brother. Y'all be cool.
0: All right, hold on. Much
3: love. All right, take care.
0: Hello, you on the What's the Revolution show?
3: Hey, how you doing?
0: All right, how you doing? Who is this, brother? Uh,
4: yeah, yeah, thank you. This Coleman. Hey, Thanks Coleman. Thank
0: you for taking my call. How you doing?
4: um the word i have not heard is but first i'm gonna say yes you do get married before the wedding day that's something that you once you agree to it that's what you practice being married the uh second thing i'm gonna say is that we uh evenly yoked and as the brother was leading up to it that you have a lot of in common things that you do together and when you have that joy of being that, I'll call that life partner that you could go through life hand in hand. It makes the travel a lot greater. And the other thing I'ma add into it is a commitment. That's something that most people don't have that commitment and settling for what you have agreed to marry. Because see, if if you've been single for a while, you have had the experience of various. Flavors of love. I'm going to put it to you like that. <laughs> and 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 if the one you choose to marry do not give you enough of those flavors, you will not sell and you're going to have some issues down the road. So that's the part I want to throw out there. And then before people get married, they really need to have some counseling um, of what life is really about because you, you, you're going to end up with some challenges that you may not be expecting to come into a relationship that will definitely drive a wedge between you. And and the wedge sometimes is children, baby drama, mama, illness, uh, loss of jobs. Those things come into play that are uh, adds to uh, the challenges of a wedding, of a marriage, really. So that's all my input I want to put into it.
0: Brother Coleman, I appreciate you, man. You're right. You know, uh, you and Brother Terry, uh, Brother Turner, excuse me, have, you know, dropped that singular knowledge that you've got to practice monogamy. You've got to practice being married before you do it. If you choose, if you choose that perspective. Brother, you have a wonderful day, man. We appreciate you.
4: All right. Thank you.
0: Brother Horace, man, let's, let's come back to you. Uh, you're uh, listening to WBOK 1230 AM. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. Here with Brother Horace Darius, we've had an interesting discussion about single and married, and we really haven't got to this point about how having a partner leads to a a, a healthier masculinity. How do you think that your relationship with the strong, powerful you know, doctor Lisa Green Dairy has helped you helped you to solidify a healthier version of yourself.
1: Well, first of all, I don't think I really understood what it truly meant to love somebody and to be loved by somebody. And I'll tell you, my good wife said something to me one day that was so compelling. She said, I love you because I need to love you, and you need to be loved. <laughs> and she was absolutely right. So um, her demonstration, not just the things that she said, but the things that she she did, the things that she continues to do, um, just helped to make me whole. Also... She always tells people that I'm a good husband. So I don't know if I'm a good husband or not, but I feel compelled to act that out.
0: Right. So So almost that self-fulfilling prophecy that she puts in your head. So she saw, and and a good woman will see, a a, a good partner will see the things that you need. And we talk about on the other side of the work that I do, other than what's your revolution, is, is to talk about equity. And good partners will see what you need and meet you at a certain space and then pull you along the road. Is that what you're saying? That she met you? She she saw where you needed to be? She saw where you were and then helped you get to where you wanted to be? Well, I just
1: think that she just was doing her. She was doing what she does. And in doing that, that really um, did something for me. Having been older, I think it had I married at an earlier age, I probably was too immature and too insecure. Uh, so I married at an older, uh, older age at a different time. I was a lot more mature. Um, I didn't get to really practice. This was something that, um, you know, came up. She really put it out there, and I decided that I would do it, and I did it. And the thing that uh, really has uh, stayed with me is that I've always wanted to do right by her as best I could. And she would have to tell you if I've done that, she's still with me. She hasn't left me, even though uh, that is her right. I mean, we have this conversation, and she doesn't like for me to say that. Or say this, um, Always, occasionally I will ask her, you know, are you are you happy? Do you want to continue to be with me? If you don't, I need you to tell me twice so I know you mean it. And if you decide that you don't want to be with me, I could accept that. And I think that that's my right as well. I just don't believe in death do you part unless it's that kind of situation till you, till you do. Till you do, or that's the person that you want to be with till you take your last last breath. And since I can't get Beyonce and two or three more, Jay Z's my main guy. I love Jay Z. He got Beyonce, but since I can't get her, then I'm gonna stay with Doc. <laughs>
0: Dinner's gonna be quite interesting tonight. <laughs> um, but it's interesting you say that. that communication is another big piece of a healthy relationship and healthy masculinity, our ability to be able to communicate our needs, to be able to be vulnerable in the moment and say that. Because that's a vulnerable statement. I want to know where you are. I want to know if you still want to be me. Because if she says no in that moment, if, if she says no, then what? But you're putting
1: yourself out there. I always do, Charles. Uh, I am pretty transparent in... What I say and what I do. In fact, I've been told you can't be that honest. Uh, the hallmark of any successful relationship, in terms of what I understand, whether you're, whether it's a personal relationship, a business relationship, is the ability to communicate. So we have to be able to to talk. Uh, as men, we have to be able to talk and to listen because typically men don't want to talk. Now. Our women will challenge us often in terms of conversation, and we tend to swell up and, you know, we'll walk away and we'll avoid those conversations, you know, because it's, it's hard if somebody is telling you uh, what you're not doing or they're not happy or they're not pleased with your behavior, Um
0: that's I tough w- that that's tough to hear
1: but I want to share a little story go
0: ahead go ahead
1: um, I have a well there was a gentleman and we, we we became great friends he he crossed over about a year or so ago and how we became friends he was my barber and he shared with me he said he said, coach, I was cheating on my wife and I found out my wife was cheating on me says so I put her out, I filed for divorce. But before the divorce became final, I realized that I was better with her than without her. Mm. And that really just, I said, wow. So I tell guys, look, you're going through something with your lady. You better stop and think. Are you better with her or without her? That's a good I'm, question. I'm better with the good doctor.
0: That's, that's how, that's. I heard that. And that's an interesting thing, for especially with that ego that we have as men, when you find out that, you know, you've been doing dirt, and then she's been doing dirt. You are listening to WBOK 1230 AM. This is uh, the What's Your Revolution show. We're going to take our next caller. Hello, this is What's Your Revolution. Hello, Hello this is Lakeidra. Hey, Lakeidra, how are you? My sister. I'm good,
2: how are you? What's going <laughs> on?
0: My sister's call. I appreciate you calling me today. What's going on? You've been hearing, you've been listening to... Uh, me and uh, the good horse, Dairy.
2: Yes, I'm very, um, this is a, a very important conversation. I was actually having this conversation with someone recently, and one of the key things that I think people um, fail to realize is people go into unhealthy situations because they are unhealthy souls before they get to the relationship. So they are expecting and wanting someone to, Well, they don't even know what healing looks like. They've not seen love in real ways. They've not seen what a healthy and a a whole person looks like together. And so as the doctor was saying, that communication, often you have broken communication because you have broken souls. You have broken homes because you have wounded people who haven't resolved issues. And I think that when people go into these relationships, if they can't be open and honest about their struggles, um, the purity of what a relationship, a healthy relationship, a soulful relationship, should be, you can't get there if you're not digging to, to get under the dirt to the root of of who you're trying to be for yourself in order to be your best self with someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, Lakeisha, how how do we do that? how do How do we take How do we take that person who may be struggling with something, may, like you said? It, and maybe they're doing the work, but in, in the midst of that relationship, it may be hurting that. How do we step back for a moment and say, you know what, I, I love you and I know you're going through this, but it's 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 harming the relationship. How how do you work through
3: that?
2: I think some of it is, one, just not taking it personal. and If you're going to take the step back, you have to take you out of it and say what's going to be healthy for this person in this moment, um, whether that's space, whether that's Um, counseling, whether that's some healing work. Um, And as they're going through the process, the things that come out of that, you can't take it personal. You can't make it about you. It can't be your ego because that's when the sacrifice of self comes into play for the person that you love and for the health of that relationship. Um, And I think that sometimes people aren't equipped with those tools to do that. So being able to identify amazing people such as yourself (laughs) who who have some of those tools Um, or uh, other people um, who've gone there. But I think that hurt people don't know what healing looks like or what wholeness looks like. So I think that is a challenge when people haven't had the tools to be able to to dig deep for that and be able to uh, identify folks that's going to get them to that place.
0: (laughs) It's interesting, again, hurt people need to have a model and they need to be in the right place. And like you said, therapy is one of those places brothers sometimes will not acknowledge that hurt we'll take that we'll take that hurt into the next i don't even call it relationship we'll take it into the next context um and then we begin to hurt others we begin to say Mm -hmm. you know what this and and we sometimes we'll couch it in that you know i'm being honest with you this is where i am so if you don't like that then that's on you well if you can understand where that person is, why are you going to get involved with that in the first place? But we do we do that as men. We 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 think that we're being good, and we by telling you the truth. Well, I don't want this. Well, you got to understand how that intent and impact, you know, has on a person. And I think we don't think about that because we're hurting ourselves. Um, I appreciate you calling in, sis. It means a lot to me.
2: Thank you, brother. Have a good
0: one. You too. Take care. Oh, well, brother. Dare, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, man. It's been a wonderful show. You, you you've dropped some knowledge for the listeners today about your life as a single man, the importance that your partner, Dr. Lisa Green Derry, provides for you, you know, at at this stage of your life. What would you want to say to the brothers out there who are, who are searching, searching for not only their healthiest version but their healthiest relationship? What advice would you give them?
1: Well, uh, in that search, one has to uh, find themselves first and foremost their their truly, realistically, authentic self. You know, being honest to yourself about yourself, and then um, really understanding what it is to love and be loved, to you know, giving of yourself. And that uh, relationships there's no 50-50 relationships. Uh, the scale may not be balanced. Um, if you got more pluses than minuses, maybe it's somebody you can work with. But are you willing to to do the work yourself and to share your your life, the good and some of the bad with other people? I mean, with, with a significant other, can you do that realistically? Right,
0: and we always have to re- we always have to remember that we are not all good and we are not all bad. We vacillate. Between the two, we just have to make sure that in our relationships with our partners, we are more,
4: <laughs>
0: we are we are better.
1: Well, we want to strive for that, for certain. Mm-hmm.
0: A- exactly, we want to strive to be the best. It's not easy, uh, as we, you know, and here's the developmental psychologist perspective: as we develop differently, and our experiences aid in that development, whether those are good or bad experiences, they aid in, you know, how we interact and how we behave in context. So we have to understand taking that into our relationships. And I think for men, as we work to be the healthiest versions of ourselves, we have to understand that context and experience sometimes are not always the best teachers. And so we have to be able to see through that. Brother, I appreciate your time. As always, you've been listening to the W, you've been listening to the Western Revolution show. I always want to give a shout out to the W.K. Kellogg Foundation for the ongoing support of this show next week we are talking fatherhood and its impact on healthy masculinity have a wonderful week and always ask yourself what's your revolution